Now when he had entered the Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come to my room. But only speak a word and the servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say that this will go and go so that this will to another company. And to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such a way to pay not even in Israel. And I say to you, that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing teeth. And he said to the centurion, Go your way. As you believe, so let it be done. And his servant was healed. That's enough. You pray for me. Lord, we thank you so much for the beautiful, endless, and powerful and personal word of God. You've told us that the snow falls down the ground and does not rise up again without watering around the land, causing the abundant virgin to receive the summer and that the Lord needs to sow his little word. It will never return to you. As your word we read in 2 Timothy 3.16 is breathed by useful correcting and teaching and instructing righteousness that every man, woman of you would be thoroughly equipped for So please speak to our hearts, each one of us individually, uniquely, corporately as a family. Have your way by my prayer. Minister profoundly in such a way that we see how real and active and living your word is sharper than the double edged sword. Dividing joints and narrow soul and spirit. Discerning the identity thoughts of our hearts. Go ahead and wait down. Let this time be profound. And may we have so much fun. May your word first open and come alive. And God, please have your way with each of us, even as we say. Have you been with each of us May the greatest act of worship be a life of surrender to everything you promise. Under your worship, Jesus, in your name. Amen. It was in days that we're going to use no just believe. No just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always be the authority. Not man, not a denomination, or a non After a key chapter classroom session, chapters 5 through 7, we now move on to the job site. Soldiers who built the battle to watch, not just listen. And again, I would think of John, the disciple of the human writer, his own gospel, whom Jesus found, where he begins first John with that which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon in our hands and hands. John didn't just hear, John felt, John was studying, John as I begin to look at Jesus, two very distinct religious orders become evident. The first is we see the incumbent. The palace is like a flat, which is wide and opulent. Driveways like their prayers long, 
smooth and ostentatious. Their kingdoms are erected, bullishly established, massaged, protected at all costs, but they are built on sand. They claim to have Abraham as their forefather, and in all righteousness is really a lifeless law, not the love of the Lord, and therefore they're self elite, exclusive, immune from conviction, uncaring. In all the facets of the lifestyle, you can hear it singing in your prayers. Like a spotted monologue all about them and for them, the only gratitude beat out in these prayers daily, three times a day, you never pray, God, I thank you that I am not a dog or a Gentile or a woman. On the other side of Jesus, lowly, unmanicured, homeless, as he says, fox that holes, birds of the air, and nests, the son of man, nowhere to be said. Infinitely and entirely holy and approachable. Uncompromising yet openly, he would embrace the most spotless sinners, stained with the darkest of deviations, and yet would say, Go and sin no more. Receiving yes, but also demanding repentance. And why? not just a More than just exposed, he's came to exude and eradicate eternally those very sins. And thus, interestingly enough, the first three stops, or if you will, the first three appointments in Matthew 8, after our three-chapter classroom session, begin with a leper and a Gentile and a and while the religious leaders are praying, thank you, God, that I am not at all. Or a Gentile or a woman, Jesus is going to show that God is more compassion for the leper, who, by the way, would be called such a dog in the eyes of the religious leaders. And now it's eternal. So now, amidst the world where the Jews begin, are called to be lights to the Gentiles, but somehow they view the Gentiles as a firewood for that light. This man now is seen wealthy, powerful, but brokenhearted, climbs over the social wealth, social wealth of the world, to see the will of the king. In our first five verses, we were approached by a leper. We read that Jesus came down on him, and those that were with him followed him, seeking to be like him to go. We read, Behold, a leper came in Jesus. And his question was not, if you are able. His question was, if you are willing. The ability is not a barrier, just willingness. And I wonder for us, if that's the case, to be honest, I wonder if somewhere inside of us there is this thing within us where we don't doubt God's power, but we kind of question his personality. And I wonder how much of the world can fully see that power latent, bottled up within us, if you will, the power of the love of God, and yet somewhere in all of that, not see a willingness, if you were willing. Well, this leper was well aware of his leprosy, and he really wanted to draw. But by the time it's done, Jesus would send his hand. 
interesting. Because over the years 14 and 15, or I should say 13 and 14, where we actually see this description of what happened to the congressman, what we looked at last week, which we evident that only a priest could be declared clean. But it had been promised in Psalm 110 that a king would come and a priest in the order of Elizabeth. And thus, could show if he were eternal, not to be lacking, even if the kings were Judean and the priests were Levi. But prior to this, there was an eternal priest, Melchizedek, the king of righteousness. The high priest and yet king, not a king of righteousness. And now, we need the other side of that. And we see to the great degree now how holy is our Savior. Is certainly not in any way affected by the leper, but now take a look at it quickly. We read in verse 5 that when Jesus is at Capernaum, Capernaum according to Matthew 4, 15 is where Jesus will set up his headquarters. This is a centurion. I find it interesting that Matthew would say, Behold the leper, but not behold the centurion. To me, I would be just as amazed. Now, let me kind of give you a little bit of background in regards to the centurion, if you will. But it's kind of important to recognize this. But a centurion, by the way, wasn't just taken because of his physical strength or that his martial ability. So that certainly didn't part of it. You certainly wouldn't want a guy in death in that position. But Rome was very cautious, and I think, you know, once you see someone like Julius Caesar assassinated, you kind of get a little nervous about power and what happens to those under you. And they do, they require that you be a man of great character. Nobody was elevated within the kingdom of Rome without being confident in the character. Interesting, by the way, Rome was more concerned about that than, if you will, the religious elite among the Jews. And to be honest, we can see that even today. We can see where somewhere down the line we have to take CDs, and we're running them through like we would a business. And we want to see someone that has 15 years of experience in children's ministry, or somebody that has six degrees in, in theology and in divinity and so on. And if we don't have character, and character 
Centurion 
But somewhere down on that 
the kingdom of heaven. So what's the other side? Well, we already talked about the kingdom of the world. There are seven parables in Matthew 13. We've kind of got the consistency of that. So if someone's walking through the world, see the jewel so precious that he gave up everything to purchase the field or the world to buy the jewel. Well, that would be the world. You're the jewel. There's the beauty. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if you realize that you the jewel, see where it says, he who touches you, touches the apple of my eye. Now, that's an interesting phrase. And it's very good that all the idea of the apple is the fruit that's forbidden. But if you can imagine Adam and looking at him going, oh, I want that so bad. And realize that's what God is thinking. He's going to say, I want you so bad. That's what he wants.
Because someone online would kind of feel morally obligated instead of investing in the person's life in the first place. And what we're saying is just stop bothering my conscience at the moment versus can I really invest in your life? But that can be a whole lot more for us, doesn't it? And so we'll quickly pick our sides and we'll quickly choose our walls and we'll quickly do our thing because there's no insulation. We don't want to be bothered by it. And this attorney stands in my place at this moment and says, What are you doing? And to think that this guy, who would be so respected and so admired and so strong in his military prowess, would stand before and go, Lord, servant, if you could just hear him cry, if you could just see his pain, if you could watch him go, Lord, it's killing, it's killing. Jesus' response is, I will. Did you notice that? Oh, no. And I kind of get the idea this, that it probably took the guy right in this case to serve us quite by surprise. Listen, do you love me for you to be He loves his people. All the saints are people. He takes no delight in the death of the wicked. He will turn to him as he feels very real God says in Ezekiel 18, 23, Do I be pleasure in all the women should die since the Lord washed? Not that you return and live. The first thing to keep for is, so you know where I stand? Do I believe that God is sovereign? Absolutely. Do I believe that has a choice? Absolutely. And they say, well, what side did you pick? And I say, God never told me I had to. But I can tell you, this first Timothy 2, 4 says that my God literally would and desires all men to be saved. He wants you saved. He wants that crack out of saved. He wants that terrorist to save. Now, he will not get what he wants, all of us. But we'll begin with you. It tells us in 2 Peter 3 9 that the Lord is not slack as some tells. Consider slack. It's kind of not a slack. It's patient. Not only can he perish, but all is kind of a Any, all, those are pretty simple, exclusive words. So Jesus says in verse 7, I don't have to The centurion says, Lord, that was the second response to that. I am not worthy that you should come under our roof. Now, according to the Luke text, 26 evidence, they've traveled quite a bit in between us. We do not know where the centurion is. Jesus is at the front, but we do know that the centurion is responsible for 100 people. Interestingly enough, isn't just going to be put someplace unless there's some form of military appointments. Primarily, centurions were, were stationed in Judea. And primarily, the primary headquarters, if we call the political capital, the Roman political capital of Israel, was Caesarea. The religious capital was Jerusalem. Interesting, because a centurion that would be stationed in Jerusalem, for what it's worth, it's just something to ponder, his next step is that he would make his way from that centurion role up to a place of being within palace, where Pilate where would be, where Herod would ultimately come to visit. That was the political capital. Why do I find that important? Because someone on the line, if you work your way up a level here, you would only take you within five or ten years to work your way up because you pledged at least 25 years if you were a superior. You pledged to be a career soldier. You didn't do this with some sort of big thing. But you could have made your way to an Italian, Italian regiment. No, but you could have made your way to the bodyguard. Why is that important? 
Because by the time this story is done, Jesus won't do exactly what the guy asked. Jesus will be a man. Why is this guy? Come on, stay there. Let's finish the story together. So, this is the centurion and the answers. Jesus is all around. According to Luke, he's made his way close to the door now. And now he answers that he says, Lord, I am not worthy. This is politically powerful. This is out of military might. With so many people under our books, and because I'm not worthy, you should come out of my roof. But you don't need to. Just speak the word. All I need is a word from you. A word from your life so that you will be fine. You will be whole, healed. And there's a point I get it all this. And the point is, I don't have to really see you to know you can still do it. Let me ask you, do you have that kind of faith? Believers, those who claim Christ as their own example, do you have that kind of faith? Do you need to feel Do you need to see something for you to trust that God's there? Or will you trust the truth? Interesting point for Two basic words for Tino in the Greek, you probably heard this. You know, you know, you know, so we need to know my experience. Now, that doesn't mean I have no experience, but because I know, like, I can know dominant better by corporate experiences. We can sit someplace where some government comes in. I won't, we don't actually have to be shocked by the government to, for me to understand a little bit better about government by experiencing with him. We can say, well, I have a better knowledge. You know, it's a better knowledge of government because in that situation, I see how we react. I see what makes him angry. I see what makes him happy. I see what makes him sad. I see what makes him concerned. How much makes him laugh. I mean, those are the kind of things that help me to say, I have a better than also understand. But the word you do, you by the way, you need to know what they taught. This color is brown or brown. Yeah, it should be well, you would not necessarily the tallest guy in the room. No, no, I, I, don't, I don't have to experience anything to know those things because I've been taught. That's why this is brown, this is flattish, you know, this is solid compared. And those are things I hear because I've been instructed. When it talks about knowing Jesus is always in regards to the reference of my experience. Not experiencing Jesus as much as living in experience with Jesus. But to know the truth is always the other. I don't have to have an experience to actually have it be true. Gravity is going to be gravity, whether I believe it or not, whether I experience it or not, the truth. We're all going to experience it. And we're all going to think about it. We think. And the truth is the truth. Whether we like the truth or not, whether we disagree with the truth, the truth is the truth. And we are all going to stand before God, that's the truth. I don't have to experience anything for that. And my God is still transforming lives. I don't have to see Him or hear Him or feel Him to know that this is just true. But by God's grace, sometimes He just kind of manifests in such a way that I'm like, wow, are you here? And there are other times where I'm like, well, I can throw my candle up here like a glory and chanting in the background or angels singing or feeling angels out of the letter. But he's still like justice here. The question is, am I conscious of it? And am I still trusting it? Because it's a turning. The same thing is, I need to see you. You do this. 
it's not like Jesus. It's not cold, uncaring, self-righteous. It's amazing.